evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's equipping and enabling training on how to share the gospel with new agers. My name is Ali Carr. I have been serving as the director of special projects at International Commission for just over four years, and I'm the host for all of IC's E&E trainings. For those of you who are new to International Commission, our mission is equipping and enabling believers of the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide by partnering with local churches and evangelism to share his gospel with unbelievers and make disciples. Everything we do is filtered through this mission to equip and enable believers to share the gospel and make disciples near and far. We do this in a variety of different ways. One way is by sending teams around the world on short-term trips to partner with churches and together they will go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. We train participants on how to share the gospel in contextual ways using a variety of tools, whether it's your hand, a piece of paper, a bracelet, or more. For 50 years, IC has been partnering with churches in nearly every single country to strategically equip, enable, reach, and disciple people to Jesus. Every year, we receive hundreds of thousands of reports of people who have heard the gospel and have made the commitment to follow Christ, and we just hope to keep going for another 50 years to the glory of God. The purpose of these E&E trainings is to equip and enable you to grow in confidence to share the gospel and make disciples with a variety of people using different applicable gospel sharing tools. Everything we do is filtered through the mission of the Great Commission which is found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus gave this commission to his disciples back then, right before he ascended into heaven. The last thing he said to them is, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we can cling to that promise that regardless of any fears or incompetencies or hesitations we might have in sharing our faith, Jesus promises to be with us. He will not leave us. So this promise applies to us today, just as it did to his disciples back then. Tonight, we are talking about the New Age movement, which is kind of difficult to precisely define because it involves a range of unsystematic spiritual practices and beliefs. But what we do know is that it grew rapidly in the West during the early 1970s and has a lot to do with unifying the body, mind, and spirit. We have a very special guest with us tonight who is someone who for many, many years of his adult life, he and his wife were practicers and heavily involved with some of these new age beliefs. So you'll get to hear from them personally about this religion, his experience, and how he came to faith in Jesus Christ and is now a pastor. Randy and his wife, Erin Bradley, have been married for 40 years and spent the first 33 years as wedding photographers. In 2006, both Randy and Aaron came to faith in Christ at Sugar Creek Baptist Church. 10 years later, after completing Bible college and seminary, Randy accepted the position of pastor at Mullen First Baptist Church in a town in central Texas with a population of 150 people. Dr. Bradley has degrees in biblical studies, pastoral ministry, and practical theology. Welcome Pastor Randy and Aaron. Thank you all so much for joining us this evening to share your story and experiences with the New Age movement. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to share with us all about what New Age even is and how to use wisdom and discernment in how to share the gospel of Jesus with those around us who might be involved with New Age beliefs and practices. So to start us off, just tell us a little bit more about yourself and your story. 
Okay, so uh, I grew up in a passive Christian family that acknowledged Jesus was Savior, but didn't do anything about it. Both my parents were recovered alcoholics. Both my sisters were recovered drug addicts. And, and I knew God through AA and recovery type programs. I, I didn't get saved till I was, was 42 years old. And for 12 years prior to that, from the age of 30 to 42, I chased every other religion I could find. And I, I studied um, Hinduism and Buddhism. And, and then I ended up as Sufi. Now, Sufi is a mystic branch of the Muslim religion, but I didn't really follow traditional Middle Eastern Sufism. I followed American Sufism, which is just a New Age movement that took the Sufi practices and put a modern New Age spin on it. And during that exact same time, my wife began practicing pagan Wiccan practices of the New Age movement. She was an ordained Wiccan priestess. And I really think her experience is particularly relevant. She dealt with a lot of other women involved in the New Age movement. So I thought it would be good to have her go over her experiences in the New Age movement. Absolutely. Thank you, Erin, for joining us, too. Would love to hear your story. Um, I was a woman who was in a relationship that was um, unhealthy at the time was unhealthy and it was a very frightening time. And I tried to find something that would answer the questions. I grew up in a Christian church. I went to church every weekend until I was a teenager. And at that time, I had some uncomfortable experiences with, um, it wasn't a bad experience, it's just that I wasn't included. Um, a lot of women, like me, feel very left out of things. And I've known this from the Catholic, my experience with a lot of Catholic women, is they go to church, they see a lot of ceremony, and they know they cannot be involved because they are women. So there's a disconnect between God and women. And women often feel like they're victims. And this is perpetuated by what they consider to be the patriarchy. So this kind of plays into that. And as I grew older and was more involved with my marriage, I started looking for things to give me comfort, to give me power over my own life, because I felt absolutely out of control. And I noticed things like if you go into the bookstore, you can find tarot cards. And as someone who was an artist, that became very intriguing to me. Tarot cards, a lot of the paraphernalia involved with the New Age movement, crystals, jewelry that is very pretty and, and uh, tends to be a little bit um, cultural in, from different cultures. So you're, you're including things from different cultures and it makes you feel like you're opening yourself up to the world. And you're allowing the world to, to come to you and you're participating in it. And sometimes that just takes you down the wrong path. And so I picked up tarot cards and I started looking into tarot cards and I started reading about tarot cards and candles. How if you do certain candles with certain oils, with certain crystals and tarot cards, you mm -hmm. can control your life. 
you can have some aspect of your life that you get to decide. Now, they don't understand that if anything positive comes out of whatever spell you've done, this is not you. They believe it's you. It is a demon. It is demons feeding you to let you know, oh, you do have some kind of power. Oh, yes, you do have some kind of control. This is very, very dangerous because a lot of New Age people believe what they do is absolutely good. They believe that they are doing something. If they accept every god or goddess out there, that they are being compassionate. Now, we all know these things are lies. And the devil loves this because it can feed a lie. And they love that they can just tell these people, show these people that they have control over their life when they absolutely do not have any control. It gets dark. And you don't understand it. You don't understand why this spell that you did 15 years ago or five years ago all of a sudden no longer works. You have to do it again. This doesn't make any sense in a truth. A truth is forever. God is forever. The real truth is forever. I did eventually understand that I was being dragged into darkness. Nothing worked. Everything I tried to do was successful for a little bit, but I always had to go back and do it. And that's when I really started to question whether what I was doing was actually a good thing. If it was a good thing, it would be forever. So I did start to really question what was going on. And I think a lot of women feel helpless. A lot of women feel left out of spiritual practices. And often the New Age movement, especially if you read the books, if you listen to other people, the first thing, they have all these little platitudes about Christianity does not like women. Christianity doesn't support women. Christianity doesn't respect women because our God is a man. We know God is above gender. He created genders. But the idea that there is no woman, unless you're a Catholic, where you have Mary. And that's why a lot of New Age women are from the Catholic part of faith. So that is how I got, uh, I, I stood up and realized that there was nothing, nothing that was going to change my life until I turned back to God. And I do believe he always had my hand. He never let go of me. I stepped away, but he never stepped away from me. So how many years were you really heavily involved in these practices? Probably about 10 to 12 years. Okay, while you were married? Yes. And and Randy, you might share this a little bit later, but how did you all eventually come out of these beliefs and find Christ again? Who was sure. it or what was it that drew you all to Christ? It, it's pretty amazing. Um, her mother, through a really trial and suffering thing, returned to church, turned back to church, got active at Sugar Creek Baptist and with a thing called Mary Ministries and invited Aaron to go to church. And they didn't invite me, and I was insulted, so I walked out and got in the car anyway. 
<clears throat> and we got to church. We went to church at Sugar Creek four or five times. And one Sunday we're sitting there and the guy that's singing the song said, even if all those other religions were real, were true, none of them offer any help. And I, in my arrogance, thought I knew more than he knew about all those other religions because I'd studied him for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And I was going to walk up after the sermon and tell him why he was wrong. So I sat down and started going over all the religions, every religion I could think of, looking for an offer of help. And for 45 minutes through the whole worship service and the sermon, I went through the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishad, the Red Vedas, the Eightfold Path, the Golden Way, all these books looking for an offer of help. And there is none. There is no promise of help, but there's not even an offer. No other religion in the world offers any help. And at the end of the sermon, before he's even done preaching, he said, if you need help, Jesus Christ is the only help. And I got up and I walked forward. Amen. Wow. And it was not even the altar call. Wow. <laughs> I just walked up and I'm just bawling. And thankfully, the fellow at the front of the aisle knew what to do and explained to me the gospel in such clear and simple terms that I knew it to be true in an instant. And two weeks later, my daughter went forward. And while my wife was on the phone arranging my daughter's baptism, the lady on the phone walked her through the gospel, and she trusted in Jesus Christ. And within wow. two weeks, we went from real lost to real saved. <laughs> and it was a major change in our lives. And within six weeks after that, I started Bible college. And, and it really was um, God's hand just grabbing us and pulling us out of darkness. Yes. Wow. Wow. That is the work of the Lord for sure. Yeah. That is incredible. Now, do you all keep in touch with the friends that and relationships that you had developed through those belief systems? And, and what maybe did that look like? Were there certain meetups at a center or, or how did you connect with others of that belief system? And um, do you still keep in touch with them today? Well, I was online. And okay. This is a, a place where, you know, they, they really prey on the lonely, the disenfranchised, even any, especially with um, people who are emotional or artistic. This really appeals to people that want to say, well, I believe in this goddess. It's almost like a buffet. You have all these things laid out in front of you, all these different pantheons, Greek, Norse, all um, the Celtics, all these things are set before you, and they often encourage you to pick a god or a goddess to worship, and it's you getting to choose instead of saying this is God, and this is the only way. You're all of a sudden opening up not only to other cultures, other religions, and all these things to anything out there and you feel like you are more compassionate, more loving, more accepting. And these are things that they're really pushing now in our culture to mm -hmm. accept the bigger picture. But for the most part, you disconnected from everybody I completely. I had to disconnect because <clears throat> they actually kind of put it on the line, you know, you believe in this and so now you're our enemy and so i didn't really keep up the i kept up some friendships i had that kind of wove in and out of the new age movement from childhood and you know friends that i had even in high school 
but I don't have that much contact with them but now, mostly because they've cut me off. Mm. I am willing to share everything in my life, but there's a little bit of anger in the idea that I'm not as wealthy as we were, but I'm more satisfied. Mm-hmm. We don't have as many uh, outside interests, but we have the most important interest. Um, I because Sufi practices are pretty solitary. Right. I didn't really interact with anybody in person. I I do keep in contact online with folks that I've known my whole life that are entrenched pretty deeply in New Age practices, and for the most part, um, because. Some folks in the New Age movement are very accepting of any ideas about God. I can communicate with them, and many of them are pretty tolerant of a communication. As long as I don't tell them they're wrong, they don't mind me talking about whatever I want to talk about. But I didn't really have any personal contact with people practicing the same practices that I did. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing you guys' story a little bit. Thank you, Aaron. I would love to hear more from you, Randy, about what actually is New Age. We keep using this word, and it it, it involves a variety of beliefs. So can you tell us exactly, or as much as you can, what the New Age movement entails? Well, let's start with a little bit of history. The New Age movement emerged in the United States in the late 60s and 70s as a spiritual, and this is really important, also a cultural phenomenon. Uh, It was characterized by a syncretic approach to spirituality, drawing a variety of Eastern and Western religion and philosophical traditions, as well as elements of psychology, ecology, mythology, literature, uh, a whole wide range. Like like we've said, it was kind of a buffet idea, pick and choose. One of my friends that's still part of the New Age movement, he follows Norse gods using Eastern tarot cards and modern transcendental meditation. And that's his new age movement. Wow. So you uh, can really pick and choose and create your own belief system from this umbrella. And, and let's be aware that there are some isolated movements that are still called new age that do have a structured set of practices. But for the most part, many of these are a pick and choose. Uh, the movement grew out of a broader counterculture context that was marked by social and political upheaval and a widespread questioning of established authority and traditional belief systems. And that last part, the questioning of traditional belief systems, is huge in the New Age movement, and it's also critical in how we're going to approach them with the gospel, because most people in the New Age movement have come out of some other religion that they've rejected, we have to kind of do some work before we can start with the gospel. Mm. The New Age movement was particularly popular among young people who were seeking alternatives to the materialism and conformity of mainstream society. Again, this happened at the, in the hippie movement, and, and those things were connected to some degree. The New Age movement gained significant visibility and influence in the 80s and 90s with the publication of books such as The Celestine Prophecy and The Secret. And really, there were a lot of other books that were part of that New Age expansion. The New Age movement is often criticized for its lack of scientific rigor and its tendency towards magical thinking. This is not what we talk about, spiritual thinking. It's really, as Aaron mentioned, it's an awful lot about people being empowered to have power themselves 
to take control of their lives through candles and spells and tarot cards. There's a really wide range in meaning of the term New Age. The New Age beliefs and practices vary widely, but often they involve a focus on personal growth, holistic health and wellness, environmentalism, and the belief of interconnectedness of all things. Today, the New Age movement continues to be a significant force in the spiritual and cultural landscape of the United States. It is more fragmented and diverse than it's ever been in the past. Recent polls show that the, the youngest generation right now, Generation Z, huge percentages of them fall under what would be the New Age movement. They're spiritual, but they don't align with any religion. They believe there's a God and there's higher powers and focuses in the world, but they don't think that any of the established traditional organized religions know God or have anything to do with God. And that makes bringing the gospel to these folks particularly challenging. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be good to give us a list of a lot of the New Age movement. This is not all, but it is a significant list. Transcendental meditation, mindfulness meditation, yoga, rike, wicca, shamanism, astrology. I'm not going to keep reading, but you see feng shui, law of attraction. The list just goes on and on and on. And if you look, many of these have roots in ancient practices. Some of them are completely new. A lot of them have to do with... Um, physical aspects like the yoga and the energy healing those are all physical the ones that are underlined are ones that my wife and i interacted with past life regression uh sound healing i had to look up what that was and they believe you can actually be healed by sound waves breath work i don't even know what that one is or how to pronounce it tantra ecstatic dance angel therapy these folks would say that they get in contact with angels we know that demons are fallen angels. And again, many of these are really folks interacting with a fallen angel. Uh, numerology, tarot reading, mediumship, conscious evolution. The, the number of different movements is immense. And the philosophies and the beliefs are very wide ranging. New Age movements frequently have a belief in spiritual energies and universal consciousness. There's the idea of the omni-mind, that our minds are actually part of one big mind and we share consciousness. A belief in the power of positive thinking and visualization. A belief in the law of attraction, which says that positive and negative thoughts and emotions can attract corresponding experiences. Uh, and, you know, we even have some of that that creeps over into aspects of Christianity. Name it and claim it. And, and so it... Sure. The New Age movement has crept in to folks that claim to be Christian. A belief in reincarnation and karma, a big part of my walk in the New Age movement, was a firm belief at that time in reincarnation. I did past life regression experience, and, and I now know that that was just a, a demon whispering in my ear anything he could think of to distract me from Jesus Christ. A focus, like Aaron said, on personal empowerment, self-realization, a belief in the divine feminine. As she said, many women feel left out of the Christian faith, and they turn to anything that will reinforce that balancing of masculine and feminine energies. A belief of the importance of intuition and inner guidance. Uh, the modern world is filled with uh, trust in your heart, believe in yourself, 
um, seek your bliss, chase your dream, do what feels good. These diverse systems and diverse beliefs generate a diversity of practices and, and actions, meditation and mindfulness practices, yoga and other physical practices, uh, alternative medicine, healing practices, acupuncture. And I'm not saying acupuncture is all new age. I'm saying there's a connection there. Uh, homeopathy, same for that. I'm not saying it's all new age, but there's a connection. Herbalism, again, there's people that practice herbalism that don't view it as spiritual. They don't view anything about it as that, and it would not be new age. But when they connect it to spirituality, you're stepping away from the Bible and you're connecting uh, the physical to the spiritual. Channeling and other forms of psychic communication, mediums, trances, crystal ball, tarot cards, astrology and other forms of divination. Look, anything that's trying to tell you you can know the unknown through spiritual practices is not revealed through the Bible falls under this new age heading. Crystal healing, energy work. We have to be careful with this. Environmentalism is not all new age. There are plenty of people that are in the environmental movement that are not new age. However, environmentalism can be a gateway and a, a stepping stone to following the new age. Sustainable living practices are great, but when it becomes the center of your life and you become obsessed with it and, and you think the earth is God, when you start worshiping the creation and not the creator, you've stepped into the New Age movement. Focus on social justice, activity, particularly related to issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And again, I'm not trying to say that everybody that's focused on those things is doing the New Age movement. There are plenty of Christians that are focused on those issues, and I'm fine with that. When it becomes your world, when you pray to the pantheon of gods, when you view that as how you're going to change society, you've crept over into the New Age movement. Any questions about the definition, history, uh, what we mean by New Age movement? No, I think you did an excellent and very thorough job explaining all the different types and sects of what the New Age movement could entail. And I also appreciate you saying that just because someone um, is conscious of the environment or practices yoga doesn't mean they are new age, but it can be a gateway. Yeah. So some people just really have to be careful about that. But it is interesting how so many of these little practices are really um, substantial in our culture and, and you might not even realize it. One of the things I'm going to address is the difference between someone casually involved in something new age and the people deeply immersed in it and the presentation of the gospel changes dramatically when you move from someone who reads their astrology report reads their horoscope sure. or somebody who goes to yoga once a week and somebody who's deeply immersed in living a new age practice yeah the next thing i'm going to look at is the dangers of getting involved you have to understand and assess the depth of the involvement. That's what we were just talking about. So when we talk about the depth of the involvement, we have surface level interactions. And again, that's attending a yoga class or, um, you know, doing something on a social justice level or even, you know, periodically reading your horoscope. I, I don't suggest it, but that's just a surface level interaction. 
the next level of interaction with the New Age movement is when your worldview begins to change. When you start to view the world through the lens of some New Age view. So we're interacting with somebody and we're trying to figure out where they are in this walk with New Age. And we've known them for years. And all of a sudden, the way they view a news report, the way they view a discussion changes. And they start talking about a book they read or their yogi or something somebody said in an astrology. We, at that point, they're a little deeper into the movement. At some point, for anybody that ends up deeply immersed in it, it becomes a singular focus. You talk to them and they don't talk about anything else. All they talk about is their tarot cards or their their meditation time or their their crystals. They're fixated on it. And then the deepest level is when they start to change their habits, their appearance. They change how they dress. I'm not I'm not saying tattoos are a sin. We'll leave that for another discussion. But if they start getting new age tattoos, that's something that is not a good sign. When they start to change their habits and begin to live completely differently, they have hit a deep level of immersion in the new age movement. Mm -hmm. um, there are some dangers that are present in deep interaction with the new age movement. Uh, one of the first is that influence on our worldview. It is really dangerous to change your worldview. How you see the world has a direct impact on your ethics, your morals, your behavior, what you think is acceptable and what is not, how you'll live, what you'll do and what you won't do. It can begin to have a significant impact on daily life. Um, we've been in contact with folks that end up unable to make a living because of significant changes in their immersion in the new age movement. They, they, the way they lived, the way they practiced life became incompatible. Uh, we've seen marriages disrupted over one member getting so deep into a new age movement that they utterly rejected somebody else around them. Mm -hmm. At some point, it can end up very much a cult-like immersion. And this doesn't take a formal, actual cult, which, by the way, many cults are part of the New Age movement, but there doesn't have to be a formal, official cult. As part of my Sufi practices, I shot 300 arrows a day. I was a Sufi archer. That takes up a lot of time. It, it, it interacted with a lot of things. M my hair ended up like waist length in a ponytail with a goatee and stuff. I remember going to Easter, one Easter Sunday, and I was wearing tie-dye jeans and a tuxedo shirt. I've got a picture of that. <laughs> I was pretty immersed in that stuff. It didn't mess up our marriage because she was also immersed in it. Um, but it did mess up some relationships with a lot of people. And, and, it, and it did have a serious impact on our lives. The ultimate danger is the fact that in many of these, you are directly dealing with evil spirits. In, in the Wiccan practices Erin did, she was communicating with demons. 
in in many of these you are praying to false gods and paul makes it clear in scripture that when we sacrifice to a false god we are serving demons so the danger spiritually is far greater than the worldly dangers so i said that there's a big difference when we evangelize somebody who's just casually involved and and so most of the folks that are viewing this video have done some evangelization they've talked to somebody about the gospel and what i want to say is when you're interacting with somebody who's casually involved in in the new age movement no matter which part of it you don't really need to change your gospel presentation and just stick with the traditional gospel approach. Tell your story, give your witness, do your testimony, focus on what the gospel offers and how it changed your life. Tell the gospel message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ. Ask them if they'd like to trust Christ. If it hasn't shifted their worldview significantly, if it's not the singular focus of their life and they're not deeply immersed in it, then your normal procedures will work absolutely fine. It's not like talking to anybody else. However, if you are evangelizing somebody deeply immersed in the New Age movement, we have some preliminary work we need to do before we present our regular gospel message. We may be able to present what we would normally present to anybody else, but we have to do some things first. The first thing we have to do when we're going to present the gospel to somebody deeply immersed in the New Age movement is assess their beliefs. Because the New Age movement is so vast, so diverse, so much of a buffet religion, before we can tell them the gospel, we need to know what they believe. When I, when I talk to a Hindu, in general, I know what a Hindu believes. When I talk to a Muslim, in general, I know what they believe. When I talk to somebody that's in the New Age movement, I might not have any idea what they believe. So first thing we're going to do, and this is key, with a deeply immersed New Age person, before you start any assessment of their beliefs, before you start talking about religion at all, it's a really good idea to ask their permission. I know that seems a little strange, but because of the way the New Age movement views power structure because of the way so many people look at Christianity as the source of all oppression in the world, we need to begin this conversation with the question, do you mind if I ask you about your beliefs? And most of the time, folks in the New Age movement are very glad to tell you about their beliefs. So, so they, they mess, a lot of times they start telling you about them when you don't even want to hear them. But I do suggest you ask this question first. So when we start the questions, we're going to start with the who. Who told you about these things? Where did you get this information? What books? What videos? Who did you interact with nowadays? What YouTube channel are you subscribing to? What Instagram are you looking at? It's key that we know where they got this information. It's a big difference if it's a person. If they are interacting individually with somebody, that changes the dynamic. If um, we know where they got it, we might get some insight into what they believe. Um, we're going to ask them 
why is it that you trust these people, these ideas, that book? And we're not asking it in a way that's condemning those things. You can just say, wow, that's really interesting. Why do you feel like that person, that book, that that YouTube video is trustworthy? And that's important because it opens the door to questioning what they're thinking. It, it's, it's beginning what we're going to talk about later. We can ask them, when did you start down this path? Is this recent? Is this years ago? And I like this one. What was going on in your life? Why did they turn to those? You heard Aaron say what was going on. We were married 23 years before we came to Christ, and our, our marriage was a train wreck. And she was polite when she said she was in an unstable situation. I was uh, really, really rough to be around. Um, and it was it was very harsh on her. So find out what drove them to go look for something when they began this path with the New Age movement. And then this is a key one. Where do you think this is all headed? If you follow this path, if you keep going down it, what's the result going to be? What's your life going to be like? Again, now after we finish asking them how this got started, we need to ask them what their beliefs are and what their practices are. And, and this is key. In part, we're trying to determine how deep they are, how much they've changed. And one of the things we're looking at is how connected are they to the fallen angels, to demons? How much are they interacting with um the really nasty side of the new age movement so we're going to ask them what physical activities do you do fasting which is a new age practice uh, it's originally a biblical practice but the new age movement has latched on to that do they do yoga uh, i i did archery i shot a bow and arrow at a target 300 times a day without aiming it's confusing to explain how that was a spiritual practice but it was uh, what mental activities do they do? Do they do prayer? Do they do meditation, uh, thoughtfulness practices? There are an almost infinite variety of practices, tarot cards, crystals, um, casting of spells, casting of runes. It's a vast thing. And one, when you ask these questions and they tell them to you, you are building conversational currency. When you listen to them tell you about their practices, you've opened a door for them to let you tell them about your practices. It's an exchange. And so if we come at them and, and don't ask questions and just start with the gospel, they haven't bought into the conversation. So that's part of what we're doing here. Uh, this is a vital one. Do you meet with people? As, as you asked, you know, did Aaron meet with people? Did I meet with people? And and ask them if they meet with people. Ask them if it's in person. Ask them if it's, if it's online. How does that go? It'll give you a fuller picture of how deeply they're immersed. It'll give you a fuller picture of what level of peer pressure is involved in their new age practices. And a lot of times, especially for younger people, Peer pressure is a major part of involvement in the New Age practices. They want to be spiritual, but they also don't want their friends ridiculing them. And if they, they go with something New Age, as opposed to something Christian, their friends won't, you know, 
post bad things about them on Facebook. <clears throat> so a key question for us when we're talking to somebody about their new age beliefs and practices is, what do you get out of this? Uh, this is very important. Sometimes we want to rush through this when we don't really want to hear what they think they get out of it. But it's vital. For some folks, it's peace. For some, it's power. For some, it's community. For some, it, it's a lot of things. But you see, those things are all false. As Pascal said, we all have a hole in our heart. And we're trying to fill this hole in our heart with stuff. And most people that have turned to the New Age movement are trying to fill that hole in their heart with these New Age things. But that hole is a God-shaped hole, and the only way to fill it is Jesus Christ. What they get out of the New Age movement will help you with what to focus on in your gospel presentation. It needs to be the key thing you show them that God is the only source of. God is the only source of true peace. God is the only source of true comfort. God is the only source of true security. We need to ask them, what does it promise? What is this new age movement you're doing? What does it actually tell you is going to happen in this life? <coughs> What's going to happen in the next life? And again, the point of this is so that we know what to direct our gospel message towards what the gospel promises any questions about these questions we're going to ask no i think you hit the nail on the head you answered any question i might have had regarding this specific um topic of how to share and kind of where to start so those questions are really good starting points i appreciate you sharing them Awesome. Okay, so now we've asked the questions. We have a pretty good understanding of their beliefs, their practices, what they get out of it, where it came from. And the next thing we're going to do is actually probably the most challenging thing we have to do. What we have to do is find commonalities between what we believe and what they believe. And sometimes there may not be any. Sometimes a New Age movement believer can be into such radical, wild unbelievable things that there is no commonality but most of the time there's something most of the time we can find some little something about what we believe about god so most new age believers do believe that god or gods or the idea of uh something a higher a higher power does exist they generally don't think of it the same way we do but that is a commonality and we can focus on that we can say so we both believe that there's something higher than us that there's a spiritual something and most new age believers who agree with that we can ask them is god a personal being or is god an impersonal force and and many new age believers are going to believe in something akin to the force from Star Wars or some spiritual force out there. But many of them will believe in a personal, localized God of some kind. Now, we can ask them if they believe that God is pantheistic, meaning he is everything, or is he localized? We can ask them, is there one God or many gods? And so we can find some commonalities. We're going to Try to focus on these commonalities. We can ask them if we have any commonalities about people. 
Uh, do we believe that human beings are intrinsically good or bad? And again, some people in the New Age movement are going to think that human beings are intrinsically good and that society is bad or people are intrinsically good, but some people are bad. But many people in the New Age movement do understand that human beings are messed up, that we fail. As we would say, that we sin. They're not going to call it sin, but many of them, if you listen to their beliefs and practices, you'll find out that they do agree that we're all in need of something. Uh, most of the time, the majority of folks in the New Age views will believe that we are an eternal soul. They may think we're reincarnated, or they may think we return to the Brahma, or they, they may think something different. But very few folks in the, in the New Age movement think that we're just material, physical animals. And that's a commonality that we can lean into, that we can discuss with them. This is a key one. Do they believe that we are self-sufficient or externally sustained? And again, the vast majority of folks in the New Age movements are going to believe that we are externally sustained. They may believe in, in Gaia, that the world is the goddess and we're sustained by Gaia, but they do believe that we're not self-sufficient. And that right there is a key commonality of the gospel. We also believe that we're not self-sufficient. So keep track of these commonalities, these things that we can lean into, we can use as we present the gospel. And, and a third commonality we can look for is commonalities regarding truth. Is truth absolute or relative? And the vast majority of folks in the New Age movement are going to consider truth relative. You're not going to find a whole lot of people in the New Age movement that think that, that truth is objective. Uh, is truth self-defined or a higher source? Now, many New Age movements are going to agree that truth is defined by a higher source. They may view it as multiple higher sources, or they might view that kind of truth as unknowable. That yes, the higher source does define truth, and that truth might even be absolute, but we just can't know it. It's beyond us. It's unknowable. So we find out what, what they believe about God, about man, and about truth. And then once we know what they believe, we need to discuss the differences. And this is where you're going to run into some friction. Um, they may not understand what Christians believe. Most folks in the New Age movement have a very warped view of Christian theology. An awful lot of them, like Aaron Said came out of Catholicism. I've met quite a few that came out of the Mormon faith, uh, a lot of them that came out of the secular world, and the extent of their biblical knowledge is the movie The Ten Commandments by Cecil B. DeMille. That, that's really all they know. So they end up with kind of a warped view. So we need to point out the differences between our view about God, about man, and about truth. We don't need to beat them over the head with it. We're not going to try to convince them our view is right. But we need them to know what the Bible actually says about God, man, and truth. And the best way to communicate that is to tell them the differences between our view. And one of the ways I've done it is to get them to agree that we disagree. 
Um, you believe that there is a God and he's spiritual and he's a spirit. Yes, yes. I believe that God is a localized personal God. And, and, and we disagree on that and about man and about truth. So now we've established where they are and where we are. And now we're we're getting ready. We're almost there to that presenting the gospel. But we've got one more thing we need to do. Uh, and this is true with everybody we're presenting the gospel to. Whenever anybody is hearing the gospel, they have stumbling blocks. What is it that's keeping them from coming to the gospel? And among folks in the New Age movement, one of the most consistent things they have are the same set of stumbling blocks. Frequently, one of the biggest stumbling blocks for them is that Christ is the only way. Because of diversity and inclusion, because of the buffet nature of the New Age movement, they really have difficulty with Christ as the only way. Uh, many of them have difficulty with the idea that God would allow evil to exist. And their New Age beliefs have a variety of ways to explain that that are not compatible with the bi biblical view of God and evil. Another major stumbling block for folks in the New Age movement is the brutality found in the Bible. They came across um, God instructing Abraham to kill Isaac. They, they read about uh, various wars that occurred. They read where God said to the Israelites, kill them all, the women, the children, and the animals. And that brutality, I had one friend of mine who's deeply entrenched in the New Age movement say, even if that is God, I would never worship a God that would say that. So that's a big stumbling block. Well, another one is uh, all Christians are hypocrites, which, by the way, is pretty much true. Um, and that's a stumbling block for them. And this last one has been consistently something I've seen. And, and the groups Aaron was involved with, this was a major stumbling block. And this is the one I kind of want to focus on a little bit because they may have the other stumbling blocks, but I have yet to run into somebody in the New Age movement that didn't have this stumbling block. Christians treated me bad. Interactions with Christians can be a major stumbling block. Many times folks in the New Age movement were raised in the church or they went or they were Catholic and went to Catholic school or some family member who happened to be Christian treated them bad and they suffered real significant trauma. And the key thing I want us to understand is under no circumstances, by no means ever minimalize or dismiss their experiences. Don't excuse it. Don't just say, well, that was one Christian. That's not all of them. Empathy, compassion, concern, care in that moment is the key thing. Speak truth in love. So you're going to have to deal with that stumbling block before you can get started. One of the ways that we deal with all those stumbling blocks that I just mentioned is that we clarify the difference between Jesus Christ and Christians. You see, we're not trying to get these people to trust in us. We're not trying to get them to believe in Christians or our denomination or any of that. We're trying to get them to follow Christ. So one of the first things we need to do is acknowledge that all Christians are flawed. We sin. We mess up. The best way to do that is to present your testimony. 
we're now getting into the, the, the presentation of the gospel. We're going to do what we would normally do. We're just doing it a little different. So right here, when we find their stumbling blocks, we're going to present our testimony about how we were sinners, how Christ encountered, we encountered Christ, how we trusted in Jesus, and how we changed, but we're not perfect. We still mess up. I had a fellow one time say, um, I'd go to church, but it's full of hypocrites. And I said, no, it's not full. We got room for one more. <laughs> We're not perfect. The church is supposed to be for saved sinners. We need to admit, acknowledge that historically Christians have really, really messed up. Don't try to excuse it. They know history, and Christians have, because they're human, messed up. The Inquisition, the treatment of indigenous people, I mean, the list is massive. Don't dodge it. I recommend leaning into it and, and acknowledging that it's a struggle for us. Here's the key to this. Point out that assessing Jesus Christ based on Christians is flawed. It's not fair. The New Age movement is very, very big on fair. And it's unfair to judge a leader based on his people. It's unfair to judge a teacher based on her students. It's unfair to judge Jesus Christ based on his followers what we need to do is point them to what christ actually taught yes christians are messed up yes we're hypocrites yes we've sinned yes historically we've done horrible things but none of those things that happened by christians are because we were following jesus jesus taught love your neighbor Jesus emphasized the importance of showing love and compassion towards others, treating them with the same care and respect that we would want ourselves. Realize that's a key tenet of virtually every aspect of the New Age movement. He taught do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The, the, the golden rule, Jesus taught treat people how we would want to be treated. And almost every aspect of the New Age faith that I've looked into teaches that same principle. The Wiccan faith, which is horribly messed up, has a tenant, do no harm. Do what thou will, but do no harm. So when we say Jesus taught these things, we're going to be in agreement with almost anybody following any New Age movement. And Jesus taught forgiveness. Jesus taught the importance of forgiving others even when they really have wronged us. He emphasized forgiveness is an essential part of love. We should always seek to reconcile with folks. And again, many not all, but many of the New Age movements are going to agree with that. Taught service to others. Again, virtually every aspect of the New Age movement, particularly folks into the social justice, diversity, inclusion aspect of New Age, are going to line up with that perfectly. He taught humility. Jesus taught the value of humility, that we should not seek power, fame, recognition for our own benefit. We should be humble and seek to serve others with selflessness, and compassion. And here's the thing. When we show them, yes, Christians are messed up, but no, Jesus didn't teach us to do that. It's a phenomenal opportunity to line up an awful lot of what we're saying with what most of them already believe 
it's a great doorway into the gospel and it's the best way i know to get them over that stumbling block of how christians have treated them so we've begun the presentation of the gospel we, we assessed where they are how immersed what practices they have we figured out what stumbling blocks they are we've done what we can to soften or at least open the door to getting them past that stumbling block and now we're ready to start presenting the gospel this needs to be done with questions and answers we're going to ask them to tell us about their god tell me about the god you follow and they tell us and we come back with well the gospel says there is a god who loves us and wants an eternal relationship with us we're going to ask them about the people they know so the folks in this new age movement that you're following do any of them ever do or say anything that that isn't like good or perfect and then we're going to say we all sin by the way don't say y'all all sin <laughs> always say we all sin <clears throat> we fail to line up with god's will and we can't fix that one of my favorite things to do in evangelism if i'm evangelizing a, a hindu i'll say uh, so do you know anybody that's balanced their karma and they'll say, what do you mean? I said, well, the goal of Hinduism is to balance your karma. Do you anybody that's balanced your karma? So you might ask them, do you know anybody in your new age movement that's perfect? That's never messed up? All us Christians, we admit we fail. We ask them what their belief system promises. And they tell us. And we tell them, you know, God promises a way for us to have an eternal relationship with him based on him and not based on us what is the promise of your belief system and what is that promise based on and be ready because most folks i've encountered in the new age movement can't tell you many of them don't know what their belief system promises and an awful lot of them don't realize that every one of those beliefs is based on them, their efforts, their work, and not on anything higher. We ask them how they go about achieving what their religion calls for. What do, what do your beliefs call for you to do? And they tell us. And we say, well, here's what the gospel calls for us to do. The gospel calls for us to trust, to believe that God came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, to believe and trust that he lived a sinless life, to believe and trust that he died on the cross to pay for our sins, to believe and trust that he rose again after three days, to believe and trust he ascended to heaven, to believe and trust that he's coming back. And if we believe and trust in God and his promise, we are eternally secure. We are in an eternal relationship with God that's the gospel and the way to present this to somebody entrenched in the new age movement is connect what they believe to what god is offering and let them see the real difference that new age movement is a hodgepodge buffet of half promises mixed from 14 different cultures through 97 different practices that all tell you the same lie 
you can be good enough that God has to save you. And it's a lie. When we trust in Christ, who he is and what he did, we as Christians can enter into a relationship with God. We live out this relationship by following what Jesus taught. And yes, we mess it up. We're hypocrites. We don't get it right all the time. But we're called by Christ to, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another as Christ loved us. We're to do unto others as, 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 as we would have them do unto us. We're to practice forgiveness. We're to practice service to others. And none of these things conflict with your New Age practices. You can do all these same things, help, serve, love, and trust in Christ. We can be humble and realize that it's not about us, it's about God. So one of the things I kind of want to go over is, 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 is what happens when you're done. Um, we present this gospel, and I think we all recognize we don't save anybody. Uh, God does. We're in charge of presenting the gospel. We're not responsible for the outcome. We do our best to tell them the gospel truth, and then we leave it in God's hands. So when we're going to present the New Age people this gospel message, we need to recognize where they are. They are deeply immersed in interaction with fallen spirits. Their worldview has been dramatically changed. They face immense amount of peer pressure many times they went into that because they were afraid they felt no power they felt disenfranchised from everything they're lost and in darkness we need to regulate our expectations of the outcome of this sometimes god has us present the gospel to somebody in the new age movement just to plant a seed sometimes we're there to continue the conversation. I've got folks in the New Age movement that I've been talking to for 16 years about Jesus. I come back every now and then and just say it again. I got one fella at least two times a week, I say something to him about God. And, and he, he, he isn't really listening. But you contend for the conversation. We, we don't expect instant con uh, conversation. And we need to hope and pray for a developed relationship that we can know them, love them, care for them, forgive them, even if they don't trust in Christ right there in that moment. But the truth is that they might. God is in charge. God is the source of all salvation. We need to bring the message. And the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. God is the one that saves. Never get discouraged if you've presented God's gospel message Never be discouraged by the outcome. You've done what God has called you to do. He's graced us with the privilege of participating in salvation. And however he works it out is, is, is in his hands and not ours. So when we take the gospel to someone deeply entrenched in the New Age movement, we ask a lot of questions. We try to find out the commonalities. We talk about the contradictions. And then we present the true gospel message, what Christ really taught. And then we get out of the way and let God handle. Any other questions about taking the gospel message to folks deeply entrenched in the New Age movement? I think that was the most thorough explanation. And 
points I have ever received from one of these trainings. I have no further questions about any of the stuff that you presented. That was just excellent, Randy. Thank you. You're welcome. Very God is an awesome God. He prepared me for ministry in ways that are just really hard to imagine. I had no idea when I went through what I went through that he was preparing me to be able to tell the gospel to folks that we're going through the exact same things. Yeah. Let me ask you just a couple more questions about your personal life. Um, when, before you came to Christ, do you remember um, a specific time when someone approached you personally and shared the gospel with you? You said that you had gone to church before, but tell me about your experiences of people sharing the gospel with you, if, if any. Sure. No, no. The clearest presentation of the gospel to me occurred when I was 18 years old. I was a senior in high school. We went on a trip to Washington, D.C., and a young man named Kyle, I don't know, I don't remember his last name, and I've never seen him since high school. He sat in the back of the bus on the way to the airport and did a wonderful job of presenting the gospel to him. And he asked me if I wanted to be born again, and I said, no, thanks. I was born right the first way. And when he said, um, Jesus died to pay for your sins, I said, that's okay. I'll pay for my own. Um, I, I would love to be able to find him and thank him. Wow. I knew there was a God. I, I never doubted or questioned that. But at the age of 30, my life was a, just a horrible mess. Bankruptcy, nearly divorced six times. I got kicked out of a marriage counselor's office and I deserved it. And <laughs> My life was so bad, I was willing to try anything, but I rejected Christianity out of intellectual arrogance. I just knew I was too smart for that. I needed something complicated and difficult and hard to do, and I was going to earn my own way to heaven. Mm. Wow. So tell us, how big of a life transformation was that once you accepted Christ? Like, What did your friends and your family think? What did your wife think? Because you came to Christ before her. Uh, we were super blessed that within two weeks we were all saved. It was going to be a real mess if, if if we didn't all come to Christ at the same time. Um, I The neatest one to me was my daughter's reaction. So two weeks after I got saved, my daughter leans over and goes, Daddy, can I go forward? And I said, yeah, sure. And she went up, and when she came back, I asked her, why'd you go forward? And she says, because for 12 years I watched you follow all those religions and nothing changed. But the minute you trusted in Jesus, you changed. I mean, that was phenomenal. Wow. I'm bipolar, uh, manic depressive, and I was on medication through that whole process. And the moment I trusted in Jesus Christ, the depression was gone. Now, I'm not saying I don't get sad. I get normal people kind of depressed. But I, I, I'm off all clinical medication, all medicine. Um and, and I have not had a moment of that kind of depression in 17 years. Now, I still have a little Great bit time. of the anxiety part of it. I think God leaves that with me like the thorn in Paul's side. It, mm -hmm. it kind of keeps me humble and th thinks I'm not too, too good for God. Um, the changes were categorical. I mean, there's just not people who knew me before didn't even know who I was anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, they will also, you know, my hair got all cut off. I had the long ponytail and stuff. But but I mean, the the, the change was just across the board. Um, how I handled my, we went bankrupt twice. Um, we just and and within a few years after going to Bible college, doing the, the Dave Ramsey thing, 
we didn't have any debt. We we don't have any credit cards. I, I don't. I can't even explain it. Um, I just started doing what God told me to do, and He took care of like a lot of stuff. Our marriage was a massive change. We're now partners serving God together. We do have disagreements and things, but the way we handle them is completely different. Um, the overall difference is just, it's hard to explain. Wow. I don't even know how to follow up with that. That's incredible. I mean, it really does go to show how powerful Christ alone is and how powerful the gospel is to truly transform our lives and from darkness to light in just the most incredible way. So thank you so much for sharing your story, your experiences. I mean, God has used your life to bring you to where you are now to Amen. to share this good news with people who used to think like you. And like you said, that one guy you talked to a few times a week for many years, um, you're continuing to plant those seeds. I love what you also shared about the reminder of it. It's not our responsibility to save God. We don't save people. The Holy Spirit does Amen. that. We are just called to be obedient, to share the good news. So Wow. Thank you for everything that you shared. That was just really, really powerful. And for those of you, if this is your very first training with International Commission, we have lots of other trainings on how to share with Hindus, how to share with Muslims, with Mormons, um, as well as so many other topics that we've covered. So if you want to learn more about our organization, trainings, how you can go with us um, overseas or in North America to share the gospel, visit us on our website or our Instagram, Facebook. If you have any questions, you can always give us um, a call or email. But Pastor Randy, before we head out this evening, I would be honored if you would just close us out in a word of prayer. Father God, you are awesome and mighty, wonderful, holy, worthy, righteous, sovereign, the creator, sustainer of the universe. You are above all things. And Father God, we are so blessed to be able to worship the creator and not the creation. Father, help us to be able to communicate your phenomenal offer of salvation to those entrenched in worshiping the creation. Those folks in the New Age movement so caught up in so many ways of avoiding your offer, so caught up in so many distraction. Father, help us to be compassionate, caring, understanding, to listen, to, to try to develop an understanding of what they believe and how it's different from what you've offered. Help us to present your word true and straight, and then get out of the way and let you convict and save. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. I hope you have a great rest of your evening. We'll see you next time.